Welcome to the Discovery Podcast, the show where we unbox, discover, and discuss the latest drops in personal and professional development. We are being brought to you by Zenbox. Take control, download Zenbox on the App Store today, and begin your journey of discovery and self-elevation. I'm your host, Andre Paolo, and I'm here with my special co-host, Melissa Spadafora. And today we're going to be speaking to one of our very good friends from uh, all the way from Southern California, Alan Isabel. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, Andre? Good, good, good. Um, glad to have you here. This conversation has been a long time coming. I know we've had a lot of conversations over Skype and WhatsApp over the last year. So it, for me, it was like especially important to, to get you on one of these podcasts so that we can share a little bit of some of the discussions that we've had, especially about mindfulness and men's health, which is something that yeah. I feel is needs a voice and, and, and someone like you, a leader like yourself, that's doing a lot of great work in the community. So uh, let's go right into it. Uh, I know a lot of people know you as one of our coaches on, on the Zenbox app, but for those who don't know who Alan is, uh, why don't you introduce yourself in your own words? Yeah, well, um, yeah, just to say it is good to be here. It feels like this has been a long time coming and um, yeah, thanks for hooking this up all the way from Southern California, you guys in Toronto. Um, yeah, so I, I began my journey when I was about 16, got into meditation and have done many things to, to continue my understanding and my practice of it. And for the last six years or so, I have been focusing on bringing mindfulness to schools uh, into the classroom, working with students and teachers and showing them how they can use these practices to benefit them and to, to be a tool for them and a, an environment that is incredibly stressful. Um, and as well as companies and organizations. Um, and for the last four years, I've been involved in men's work. And they're kind of two paths that I walk at the same time. And uh, both mean a lot to me, and uh, I feel really honored and, and blessed to be, as you say, a, a voice for these things in, in our in our culture. And um, yeah, I, I'm thankful every day to be able to to do what I do. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> a little bit about you know our our journey together over the last year, like, and one of the reasons why. I thought it was so essential to have you be a part of this project was exactly what you just mentioned, which is, uh, you know, your focus on on men's health. Um, I've over the last little while, I've, I've noticed that although there is some offerings, um, you know, throughout the wellness community, it's not as mainstream. It's not as forefront as a lot more of like mm -hmm. the women's issues that especially on, you know, tools that people use every day, like social media, you notice a mm -hmm. lot more women kind of uh, sharing their experiences and sharing their journeys and not so much men. Like, why, why is that? Yeah. Well, um, there's a few reasons, I think. Uh, one obvious one is that I think a lot of men uh, have grown up being taught that it's not okay to share our inner experience. Um, so we don't have a lot of practice with it. Um, and another big reason is that women have been doing the work for a long time uh, for really, and to some really good results. So you see women out there sharing their experience and being total badasses and at the same time being totally vulnerable. Um, and men are catching on, uh, especially living here in California, you see that it is something that is a growing movement of men realizing that there is something that needs to be done, that we do need to take responsibility for the the challenges that we face, the both societally and personally, and um, so it's it's a slowly, maybe not slowly, it's a growing movement 
Um, and I think as we see more and more people do that, especially more and more men take that responsibility and um, take that stand as as a voice for for other men, as a voice for themselves, we're going to see it proliferate. We're going to see more and more men take that position. Um, and it's important. It's really important. Are you finding you're getting um, a good response, good traction with your work when you are introducing, you know, uh, men to it for the first time? Yeah, you know, everybody comes in at different levels. So somebody who is, is brand new is going to have a different experience than somebody who has been doing their personal, spiritual, psychological work. Um, I think there does take a level of uh, insight into somebody, into a personal experience to say like, okay, I do need some guidance. I do need some support. I do need somebody outside of just myself or my family unit. Um, and I think anybody who comes to the work has that insight. They have that yearning for like, okay, I need something. And oftentimes the men who come into the work that I've experienced feel a sense of, um, lack, uh, of understanding of, uh, intimacy specifically around masculinity, their masculinity or their relationship to masculinity. So somebody who's brand new at least has that understanding that like, okay, I, there's something that needs to be done here. Maybe they don't know exactly what it is. So to answer your question, yeah, I think anybody who does come to the work, even if they're brand new, there is a good response because they sense that, okay, I need some support. No, that's completely understandable and, and makes a lot of sense. And uh, my final question for this um for this first portion here is like the demographic of men that you find are reaching out to you or, or wanting to try the work that you're doing. Is it diverse or are you finding that is a certain, certain personality traits are more likely to reach out or, you know, make themselves a little bit more vulnerable and, and, and ask for mm -hmm. help? Um, it's not as diverse as I would like it to be. Um, and it depends on, on what communities you go to. Uh, a lot of the men that I work with, we, we work together online. Um, and so it does make it available for men all over the world to come together. So in that sense, it is diverse, but, um, I think it's, it's, People in the sort of 30 to 40 age range that I see, I see the most in the work, men who, who realize like, okay, maybe I've made some money and I, I have gotten the family and I've experienced some success and I still feel the way I feel. And I thought all those things externally would change that. And so I, I see a sort of general tendency for men in that age range to come into the work but it really it's 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 diverse i mean i got into the work when i was 22 and i was oftentimes the youngest guy in the room um and now i see guys in their 20s coming in and uh and guys in the 50s and 60s as well but i do think that for some uh men of different ethnicities, at least from what they've told me, that they they see that in their culture, they, they experience more resistance uh, on like a general level for men to seek outside support um, because it's perceived in certain ways or, or for whatever reason, it's just a general sort of, they're more entrenched um, and are conditioned to, to see that, that, that kind of thing as as weak or um, just not something that they would do. So I think there's definitely a lot of work to be done to, to be able to make it accessible to everybody and anybody. Um, and I think in an, an organic way, it's growing towards that. Yeah, I tend to see a lot of that 
here in southern Ontario as well. So just from, you know, the interactions I've had with, um, you know, the community leaders that are starting workshops and events around men's uh, wellness, it, it's it's kind of the same thing, but it's picking up. Every year you see the community mm-hmm. grow bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of amazing events that happen even just towards the end of the year last year that that I noticed. Um, I, I know I've been hogging all the questions <laughs> to start, but I have one more that I want to ask. You know, for our listeners, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. When you say the work, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What is the work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, men's work has been around for some time, uh, and it really was a response to the work that women were doing. Let's let's like stay in North America as far as our as far as our topic, uh, our geographical area of discussion, because I'm sure it's different across the world. But um, a sort of a men's movement occurred in the early 60s as a response to the to the psychological work that women were doing they they saw the issues at hand and they banded together to like support each other in uh growing past societal limitations and personal limitations and so men started doing that as well and they pulled upon traditions and uh customs of uh a lot of Sort of the ceremonial aspects of of Native American culture, um, initiatory aspects of cultures from around the world, um, and it started. It was also very much influenced by Jungian psychology, um, so shadow work and uh, integrating the psyche. And nowadays, it's very much. It's all of those things and more. And so there's, there's emphasis on somatics and um, meditation practice and uh, awareness practices. And it, it, in a way, the work stands for like an amalgamation of any kind of psycho-spiritual tool or experience um, that can be used for the benefit of an individual or for a group. And so it might be inner child work or it might be working with some kind of trauma or um, family constellation work. It really, um, it's dependent on the facilitator or the group of people, the organization, what their flavor is, is gonna be different. Um, But you'll hear the term the work a lot. It's kind of just, in fact, there's a really great documentary called The Work which probably would give a better explanation than I just gave uh, as to what you might experience in a men's group. That's awesome. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted you to take it back a little bit and just get um, a better understanding on how you would define mindfulness and Mm. a few exercises that could help builds um, mindfulness in different ways Mm, yeah Um, well the way I like to describe mindfulness is being aware in the present moment without judgment so in other terms it could be paying attention on purpose Um, and it's both something that we can, uh, practice, we can get better at through practice. And it's also something that's innately in us. We all already have the capacity to be mindful. Um, many of us just happen to live in a culture that doesn't really, it's not really conducive to being mindful. Um, so those, some things that we can do to become more mindful in our life one is through is through basic meditation practice um which could involve simply sitting or lying down and placing our focus on one thing and oftentimes uh that's the breath to begin with just noticing our breath come in and go out 
and uh, noticing when our mind wanders away and then bringing it back helps to strengthen that capacity to be present, uh, be aware of our, of our minds and our bodies and our state moment to moment. Um, and there's actually in, in the app, I, I have what I call formal practices and informal practices. So formal practices would include like time that we set aside where we're, you know, setting ourselves up to pay attention to that one thing, whether it's our breath or our body um, or our emotions or our thoughts. And then those informal practices are ways that we can take those same principles of paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment and applying it to how we walk down the street or how we have a conversation or how we drink a cup of tea. Um, but the essence of it is, is, is being present. And most of the time when we, when we really check in with ourselves, it's, we're not, um, and the mind is a subtle thing. So it takes a little bit of practice to get to the sense of like, you can feel when your mind has gone away and then being able to bring it back. That's sort of the essential practice of, of mindfulness and in, in the way I define it. I really love how you took, um, you know, kind of a complex explanation and then you gave us, um, a very defined and easy to understand explanation like paying attention on purpose makes so much sense especially when you think about somebody who's new to mindfulness or new to personal wellness in general like they can get that you know paying attention on yeah. purpose and and that's what makes to me a great coach when you can take uh complex learning and focus it and simplify it so that anybody anywhere can understand what you're trying to teach. And that's one mm -hmm. of your gifts. And I found that during our conversations, you do that a lot. You would take uh, a complex thought and, and focus it so that I could understand um, at your level, you know, even though mm -hmm. like, I'm sure if you were speaking to, uh, you know, a peer or, uh, you know, somebody, a, a, another leader in the community, you might not say it in those ways but you say it in a way that makes me feel like i'm on the same level as you which encourages me to continue to want to learn more so that's an amazing gift that you mm -hmm. have and how you teach um and also just uh that some of the things you mentioned about you know paying attention on purpose and and having that connection between uh your mind and body even though me and you have had the discussion about what that means in the east and what it means in the west right <laughs> right but right. uh recently you know i've been really focusing on trying to essentially practice what i preach within you know the app that we've developed and are continuing to develop and one of the thing is the things is breath work and just understanding mm -hmm. the difference between uh, belly breathing and chest breathing. It took a long time. Yeah. Like it took a long time to get that. And then I realized that I was, I'm actually a natural belly breather. Like, and it's Everybody like, is. yeah, yeah. I feel like <laughs> no, but there's some people who aren't though. Trained, no, like, well, as, as a baby, we all do. Yeah. You watch, your belly, you watch a baby sleep and you'll see their belly go up and down. Even your, your pet, you watch your dog. Like they, yeah. that's, that's what's happening. But when people are stressed out and, and, and mm -hmm. tight, right. That they start to change their natural state of, of being. Right. And unless you well, are also very, very sensitive. Right. And so by holding it tight in a way, a lot of times it's like a protective mechanism. Yes. Because to breathe fully, you're, you're actually opening yourself to your experience. And I mean, physically like your belly's got all your vital organs right and so by relaxing that and and breathing fully you're exposing your you know your vulnerability yes uh to the world and yeah and, just, and even just learning like the different techniques that that are out there like like box breathing like at first the first time i heard about them like box breathing like what are you talking about and then i realized mm -hmm. it's like a cadence right then that's what creates mm -hmm. that that box so to speak that figurative box and it was just interesting to use those techniques and how 
just learning how like the different breathing techniques can really help you center yourself and help you really focus, especially when you're in a situation where you need a little bit more um, mental and emotional resilience. It's important to have these tools to be able to achieve that state fairly quickly, right? And it doesn't take much. Yeah. Like people think you have to be, you know, sitting on a mountain somewhere in complete silence to be able to practice these methodologies, but you don't. Um, and yeah. it's, it's, it's really, it's life changing if you give it a chance. Yeah. It truly is. Would you recommend, Alan, to these practices that we were just speaking about, uh, breath work, meditation, right. um, for someone just getting started, would you recommend they try these different exercises at a specific time of the day? Uh, I know it's very common practice for some people to to do these types of exercises in the morning, um, mm. maybe on their lunch hour. Would you would you say there's a particular time, or does it matter? Yeah, um, I think there's some general good times like that that are just most open like people's beginning of their day and their end of the day right they're not at work um usually so we have a little bit more free time uh for me i start my day doing these kinds of practices because i find that i just have a, i have a totally different experience throughout my day if i have done my practice or i haven't uh, and so i've just found through my own experience that i i feel the most present and vital and alive and joyful when I take that time for myself in the morning. Um, but for somebody that might not work, they might just want to get up right away and start doing their thing. Um, and so the evening time might, might be more suitable. But uh, it also, that, that's one part is just how your day is structured. But the other piece is um, the purpose of your practice or, or the purpose of the exercise you might be doing. So you know, uh, box breathing uh, that Andre mentioned, you might not want to do that right before you go to sleep because by by basing a box breathing, you match your inhalation and your exhalation. And when we match our inhalation and our exhalation, it creates a sense of uh, we're both awake and relaxed. So if we think about it, just backing up a little bit, our inhalation creates excitement our exhalation creates in our nervous system relaxation. And so there are certain exercises where you'll maximize or, or extend your exhalation, and that will create relaxation. Or you'll maximize your inhalation, and that will create a sense of excitement in the, in the body. Um, so it depends on what you want to do as well, right? And, and the more you practice, the more, you, more get, you get to see how these things affect your body, your nervous system, your mind. And you can start to say, okay, like this would be really great before I go into my meetings because I always get stressed out. So doing this practice would be really awesome for me to be able to settle in and be calm and steady. Um, or this exercise would be really great before I go and get on stage because I always get nervous. I need to have a little bit more excitement in my body. So I think it depends on what you're doing them for. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think some people just have this misconception of, like Andre said earlier, like so a lot of people think, oh, to meditate, you just sit in a very quiet space alone, out maybe in in the wilderness or like on a specific, Anywhere but here. <laughs> specific area. Yeah. So for for people, they may just feel like, well, this person or this leader or this particular coach recommends the morning. So mm -hmm. I'm going to practice these types of exercises in the morning. But I love how it's just dependent on you as a person as well as the purpose of the practice. Yeah. So I, I love that how you um, were able to truly define that because it does depend yeah. on everybody's unique scenario. Yeah. And actually, Andre, um, whenever I talk to students, I tell them, if you take nothing else from our time together, it's to remember to breathe with your belly. I like so that. So I'm glad that you brought that up. It's so important <laughs> to learn. 
Yeah, it is. And even just like little tools, like understanding that it's not all meditation and some of it is like haptics and touch, like, you know, mm -hmm. being in a scenario where your mind is frantic, which then is going to raise your heart rate and your make your central nervous system be all wire, like out of whack, like different things like, you know, uh, tapping like maybe your legs or your arms or like just trying to center your focus, like take you away mm -hmm. from that franticness. Like little things like that is what I've been learning, not only in, uh, you know, practicing um, the programs that you created for us in the app, but like just doing my own research on top of that. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I actually started, I went to a mindfulness workshop on Friday all day and, and I learned so much from that. And it's, uh, you know, I'm going to be, uh, practicing some of the work that I, I learned there, you know, every day I have a little, um, I guess, calendar or log where I'm going to like log my practice to kind of help me get into a rhythm. Um, mm -hmm. what I have that a lot of people there and they didn't know this was like, I also have the guided, uh, programs that we have in the app that you, you created for us. So I'm able to utilize that and have you guide me through, um, you know, very formal practice and then mm -hmm. also going through some of the informal techniques that they gave us. So in, in eight weeks, I'm going to go back and then we're going to see like the progress that we've kind of made through that, through that eight weeks. So it's a great opportunity again, going back to what I said earlier about practicing, you know, what you preach. Like if you want, you know, a, a result, right, you're going to have to put in the work. So that's yeah. what I'm trying to do now is like really put in the work and, and experience this for myself uh, as much as possible and then continue to advocate for this this type of practice. And honestly, it's it's unbelievable, like just even in a short period of time, like I was using just the app prior to going to the seminar, but then understanding more about it has made me appreciate the work in the app even yeah. more because I understand it more. I understand yeah. it more and I understand the importance of it. And sometimes that's the missing piece because someone can experience something like that was cool, but they don't understand how important it is, right? Yeah. So I wanted to go out and learn more about the practice so that when we do market it, when we do uh, recommend it to other people, we're able to do it justice, yeah. you know? And it's not just like, Hey, because it's cool. It's something new. It's, you know, it's yeah. from Southern California. <laughs> well, it's great for people to use it not only on its own, but as a supplemental tool as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important um, because like we, we've been just talking about today, everybody's practice is going to be different. So they might incorporate yeah. different workshops and different courses while still utilizing the app exactly it's not meant to replace yeah. anything like it's it's meant to be a, a complementary tool to add on to to give you easy access to uh tools that you can use to solve a problem right when like having a toolbox doesn't make you a mechanic it doesn't make you a contractor right but having those tools ready you might be able to fix a light that went out you might be able to fix your dis dishwasher if you're that capable it's the same thing here like you may not be a personal trainer or a psychologist or a life coach but you have the tools there to be able to address things on the fly and that's what zenbox is all about yeah so i'm glad you brought that up yeah, I, I see it too it, it also is a really nice um foundation exactly especially for people who are brand new to this kind of thing it, it kind of touches on the key elements to starting to build a life of wellness, uh, of, of insight and, and self-awareness and health um, that when you're just on your own without anybody there to say like, try this or do that or you know practice with this, you're kind of just swimming in a sea of information of you know like YouTube videos and you just have nowhere really trustworthy to go oftentimes yeah and you notice that in like all the different offerings that are populating you know the the web these days um whether it's wellness apps or entertainment apps curation is a big part of this mm -hmm. booming industry it's like people want a very specific tailored experience that's individualized right you look at even entertainment like you know netflix or hulu or whatever you're using 
there's algorithms there that help curate what you see in front of you to your 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 um to what you like right like i know on netflix they have like percentage points based on like what you've already watched like 93 percent you know 70 percent you're like all right recommend it i'm probably not gonna watch this right but you still have the ability to on your own go in and and maybe try something new and open yourself up to something new just because the percentage points and the algorithm is saying you you're not gonna like it sometimes i like to venture out and take a little risk and see if i like something else and in the app we have our general library which is you know falls under like uh, body mind and guidance and then we have our programs library where we have very specific curated programs we started out with our um, six-week journey mapping program which is important because before you you start on a journey it's good to have a plan right and we wanted to create that to help people create that plan and understand why they're doing something right um today on social media i posted that you know a piece of advice that i got a lot of from a lot of my coaches which is uh commitment is very important in trying to achieve a goal and the first part of that commitment is committing to a focused goal right so that's what we're trying to do with this six week uh journey map is to help people find that goal that they're going to focus on and then the second part of that commitment is committing to the journey committing to seeing it through because it's it's not something that you're going to achieve in one day like uh alan you mentioned that you've been practicing since you're a teenager and you've been teaching since you're in your early 20s that's a long time to get to where you are right and i'm not saying everybody's aspirations and ambitions are to be a practitioner like yourself but i feel like even in our own journeys in our own wellness it's lifelong mm-hmm. right uh, the instructor that yeah. was teaching the workshop i was uh, he was i'm gonna guess in his 60s and i've never met a more vibrant individual this man was just just energetic youthful and like and and he really attests a lot of it to the work that he's done and he's him and his wife do work together he says he they wake up every morning and they do an hour of practice not saying that everyone has to do that i'm sure he's had years of experience to get to that state but like he talks about that like every morning they start off like that or he travels a lot and he utilizes these tools to keep himself in check and keep himself focused so that this rigorous life of like traveling all over North America and doing talks at different universities and different corporations doesn't take a toll on him, right? Especially at the age he's at now. But to me, he was more vibrant than anyone else in that room. So I wanted to know what it was all about, right? And he talked about four keys. I actually brought the little pamphlet with me. And the four keys were physical resilience. And it talks about maintaining a healthy nutrition, exercise regularly, get enough sleep, limit alcohol, and uh, nicotine use. This is one that's the easiest one for a lot of us to follow. And that's why it was the first offering in the app, like, which was focusing on your body, right? The physical body. So uh, following that, number two was mental resilience. So practicing mindfulness exercises, cultivate a positive attitude, refrain from negative thinking, focus attention, focusing attention on the outside yourself, Instead of saying they, it's more I, I am aware, like being more within yourself and exercising your brain was another component of mental resilience. Third pillar was emotional resilience, which was practice good listening skills, develop emotional literacy, manage emotional triggers, cultivate resilience, breath, um, and build your support team, like having, you know, a a tribe that you can rely on. And then four was spiritual resilience, which cultivate faith and spirituality, practice gratitude, forgiveness, and letting go, spending time in nature and or other um, enriching activities, and then volunteering and community service. So I, I recall that one of the things they did was with every single one of these, they had stats. So this wasn't just some spiritual mumble jumbo as some people might say they had stats to back it up like the last part which was like the volunteering community service people that help others tend to live longer like they have less stress because it's just it's 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 it it, i forget what it was i don't want i don't want to put words into their mouth but it's yeah it's that fulfillment it's that fulfillment you guys can help me out with that but yeah it's that fulfillment and it's just it's true like when you help someone else you feel good Right. And it, it releases the, those happy hormones. Right. And you just I feel like it takes away more of those negative and not so happy 
and destructive hormones. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, what's the next question here? Okay. <laughs> um, how did you get involved? Actually, I'll put this in a different way. Like, how did you go about creating your personal uh, mindfulness practice and also the, the course that you teach as well? Mm. Well, my personal practice... Um, You know, the first thing I did when I graduated college was go on uh, a 10-day silent meditation retreat. Um, and the first thing I did after that retreat was go on another one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's there that I got to take the time to focus on one thing. And, and, and that was meditation practice. So like 10 hours a day of practice, um, no talking, no eye contact, none of that, um, just full on focus on this practice. And so there I developed a sense of discipline and uh, an idea of actually what to do for the practice and um, how to guide myself through my own personal practice. Um, and it's, it's something that I, you know, that I rely on every day. Um, those those experiences that I've had I've since have gone on other ones, um, but being able to take those dedicated days of just practicing um, obviously had an immense impact on me, just like it would anybody, right? If we took, if if you Andre took twenty days and you just focused on fitness, like everything else in your life was taken care of. And all you had to do was just focus on your own personal fitness. You would develop a, like a really strong, keen sense of what you would need, right? And you'd get good at it. Um, and so that that is the the really valuable part of being able to go on retreat for meditation is that most people are maybe only practicing like five minutes a day or ten minutes a day or half an hour, and that's great. Um, but imagine what would be possible if you spent, you know, 10 hours a day. Um, it's by no means easy. It's in fact quite scary for most people, but, uh, it's some of the most well-spent days of my life. Uh, and it's informed me on, on how I practice and, um, and as well, how I formed the practice for, for the Zenbox app. Um, you know, I just thought about <clears throat> what are the foundational theories of, of why someone might practice mindfulness, what it is, um, where its roots come from. And then I did my best to synthesize what I know and what plenty of people before me and besides me have done to sort of take this practice that uh, is, is in many ways, it's an essential practice of Buddhism. Mindfulness practices, you can find it in a lot of the world's religions, major religions and minor religions. Um, but I was, you know, took time to think about synthesizing those things into a way that um, a millennial might want to understand. And so I developed sort of the theory side of things of why we do certain things and uh, the, the intentions behind the practices and uh, have an opportunity to better explain what the practices look like and how to set yourself up for success and all the rest. And then um, I wanted to have those, those guided practices where someone could say, okay, I understand the theory. I understand why I'm doing this. I've set myself up to um, kind of su succeed, so to speak. And now I can, now I can practice and I can kind of surrender to this, this guided uh, experience and follow along and um, ideally have those tools, uh, have that understanding and that experience inside them so that they don't have to rely on something outside of them. They, they can have that theory and the practice together and then be able to use it when they need it. Awesome. So what would you say the top three challenges are 
to building mindfulness? Uh, the first one is distraction. Um, it's, I think it's probably the biggest, the biggest challenge of our time right now is just the endless input of distraction that we're exposed to. And distraction is kind of the antithesis of mindfulness. Um, and that's why going on a retreat is so valuable is because you are able to dedicate yourself in a, in a place and a time where you have no distractions. Mm -hmm. Like your sole focus is just the practice of mindfulness. Um, so I think distraction is huge. Uh, lack of proper understanding. Uh, I think a lot of people see mindfulness as like this magic bullet that's going to kind of cure everything or um, like two minutes a day and it's going to keep the doctor away for the rest of their life or like it's going to cure all of their inner turmoil. So I think going back to our earlier part of our conversation of like having a strong mindfulness practice and at the same time not um, – discounting other things that you might need to do for yourself, like getting physically fit or, um, you know, exploring psychological issues that might be reoccurring for you uh, or mindset blocks that you might be experiencing. Um, not being afraid to go beyond just the one thing. I've seen a lot of people who are dedicated mindfulness practitioners who are like, this is my thing and this is all I need and I'm going to be great because of it and they have some kind of glaring other issues that could be addressed um so distraction uh lack, how did i phrase the second one you lack of um lack of proper understanding yeah right like not really understanding what it is um and then kind of going beyond that to how they apply it and then the third, um, probably consistency. Mm -hmm. it, it can, it's a new habit for most people and it's challenging to, to, build, uh, to build new habits, especially when we have our routines that we're in, healthy or otherwise. Um, and yeah, I think having the sort of, having accountability or having support to develop consistency in your mindfulness practice is really huge. Uh, and it's one thing that I think the app does really well is it gives people a sense of external accountability mm -hmm. to what they're, what they're setting out to do. Um, that if we're just on our own, left our own devices, it, it can be challenging. Yeah, like you're not, you're not alone in the practice when you're utilizing tools like Zenbox. I feel mm -hmm. like with anything in health and wellness, especially even if it, it's fitness or nutrition once you're held accountable by a coach or a community you just feel like you need to stick to the new routine that you're building for yourself if that makes sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i definitely think all of those are great or phenomenal examples of challenges i feel like distraction like you said is Number one, just because of there's there's so many distractions in the world today with our, our mobile devices, with our careers, just life in general. Um, so being able to to really focus on mindfulness and not getting distracted is definitely, yeah. I think, my number one challenge for me personally. Yeah. Yeah, oftentimes we're practicing the opposite of mindfulness. Yeah, right? exactly. Actively practicing yeah. the opposite. <laughs> yeah, and and like you said, we have to start paying attention on purpose, right? Um, yeah. Alan, thank you so much for for taking the time today to to really enlighten us on on an important topic. You know, talking about men's work and 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 men's wellness as well as uh, mindfulness practice. Um, I wanted to leave you with one question, you know, for, for ourselves and for our listeners. Um, what would be your biggest piece uh, of advice for those wanting to, well, specifically for men 
wanting to start to practice more um, or take their wellness more seriously and for those wanting to build their mind mindfulness practice so it's two parts like men's health and then mindfulness practice like what would be your biggest advice for those trying to build those two pillars well i think the easy answer for the mindfulness practice um is is to go on a retreat even if it's a day-long thing like the workshop that you went to um taking some time to immerse yourself in understanding and the practice where you're not distracted by outside things or responsibilities is far and away the most effective way to build mindfulness. Uh, Cause it really is like a muscle that we're either debilitating or strengthening. So any time that you take away to dedicate to it is going to go a long way. Um, and if, if that just looks like taking 10 minutes a day in your room um, or before work or when you get home, that's great. And if you can take a whole day or five days or 10 days, um, the effects are far deeper and far more profound. And I think it's something that needs to be said because we're, we're seeing this practice spread like wildfire through companies and schools and apps. And it's important that what's actually possible not be lost. Like what's actually possible is not just feeling calm or feeling like, okay, I'm ready for this meeting, but it's understanding how our mind works and how it's connected to our body and uh, how we can develop our equanimity with things that are challenging and developing compassion for ourselves and for other people. And I think to really get a solid feel and experience of that, it takes some, some time and some dedicated environments. So that would, be, that would be my answer for the mindfulness piece. And I think the same thing goes for, for men's work. I think, you know, we, we, we live in a society that values productivity um, and so it can be challenging to do things that are beneficial for our well-being. And for men, especially, it can be a sign of like, you know, so many ideas around asking for help and our conditioning around looking weak in front of other people. And so it can be challenging to go and take that stand for ourselves and commit to whether it be going to a retreat for men or going to a men's group regularly. Um, but I think, again, that's one of the most powerful things we can do is to find a group of people, um, that we trust that, uh, I mean, if you're new to it, that can guide you through an experience. And, um, for, for me personally, it, it will move. I, I found that it moves things in me that I didn't know were there, um, and has been invaluable in, in my personal journey. Um, but it's only happened because I've, I've taken that time and I've, I've dedicated myself to going places where I can be guided. And, um, yeah, so, so doing, doing some research and seeing if there's some men's groups near you or, um, some people online providing content that you resonate with that maybe they offer some kind of in-person thing, but, um, you know, despite the brilliance of the internet and our ability to receive things constantly, I think there's still no um, no better way than than to be in person, to have that experience where there's there's no computers, there's no screens. It's just you and and the other people there, um, and, and committing yourself to that. So, so those are my answers. Fantastic. Um, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you in terms of your personal website? Uh, do you have any scheduled workshops coming up that, you know, maybe people that are going to be in those particular communities could attend anything like that you want to announce? Yeah. Um, I have my personal meditation site, livewise, L-I-V-E, wise, W-I-S-E, mindfulness.com. Um, and then I'm a part of a men's work organization called Men's Wisdom Work. 
menswisdomwork.com. We have a men's coach training coming up pretty soon here. Um, That's going to be amazing. It's guys from all over the world who have some are brand new to the work, but most of whom have some experience in personal and spiritual growth and want to develop their skills further. Um, We have a six month coach training that we offer online and also has uh, an immersion component. Guys come in uh, to this little Ojai mountain town where I live and uh, we have four days of, of retreat time together. It's pretty amazing. And some immersions are coming up uh, in, if, if you have listeners in the UK, we have uh, something happening there in July that will be an immersion experience. Um, and yeah. Amazing. I'm, uh, I look forward to continuing to follow your, your journey and speaking to you as often as possible. I know the last couple of months we didn't get to speak as much as we'd like, but uh, every time we do, it's always, it's always a great conversation. So uh, my brother, I appreciate you making the time today to, to not only speak to me, but also uh, you know, share your, um, your experiences and your expertise with everybody in this room. Um, as, as well as our listeners. So for that, we appreciate you and, um, you know, have yourself a great rest of your day and we'll be, uh, I'll be calling you soon because, uh, I want to really talk to you about what I've been learning and, uh, you know, kind of pick your brain about some of the questions that I have. That sounds great, man. Thank you yeah, so much. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you both Melissa and Andre and all of you there at the, at the studio. Thanks for uh, taking the time. Thanks, Alan. All right. You've been listening to the Discovery Podcast. We're being brought to you by Zenbox. Take control, download Zenbox on the App Store today and begin your journey of discovery and self-elevation. I'm your host, Andre Paolo, my co-host, Melissa Spadafora, and we'll see you at the uh, next episode.